0: Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Reel Radio, the best stop on your radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop along, John Cassidy
1: well thank you mark larson and southern california welcome again to another live edition of rod wheel radio here on am 540 radio zion it's our pleasure to welcome you to the show know there's a lot of distractions out there and also a lot of you are probably staying close to home tonight uh good night to whip up a, a big bowl of soup uh maybe watch one of the games uh Cuddle up by the fire and just enjoy being home rather than being out on the road. Well, if that's the case, hey, thank you for listening tonight. We have a show, I think, that is going to be worth the time for you to listen to. Let me give you an idea of just exactly what's happening. First hour tonight, we're going to have Captain Mike Franchek from Relentless Sport Fishing out of H&M Landing. You know, we're slowing down a little bit when it comes to... The tuna bite and the yellowtail and everything else like that. But uh, we still have a lot of rock fishing ahead of us. And then what's going to be happening going into 2023? Well, Mike's going to be with us. He's going to recap a little bit about what he did. He's going to talk to us about relentless sports fishing and then look into that Crystal Ball to give us an idea of some of the fishing opportunities we'll have ahead of us in 2023. And in the second hour of the show, we are going to have the fishmonger himself, Tommy Gomes, is going to be with us. Know your local sources, probably the motto that, that will be written on Tommy's tombstone when that time comes. And But I can tell you what, between now and then, this man is educating people on how to use sustainable sources of seafood, not only on the West Coast, but all around the country through his program, The Fishmonger. So Tommy Gomes is going to be with us in the second hour of the show. But before we get everything started, let me introduce to you my co-hosts. First of all, this gentleman, you should know if you uh, wet a line either on the freshwater, saltwater side, or if you own a boat, you should know him he is the voice of one eight hundred bass boat. Pretty darn good fresh and saltwater angler in his own right, Mr. Stan Vandenberg. Stan,
2: how are you doing tonight? Good evening, everybody. John, so far so good. You know, I've been kind of I'm in the I'm in the getting ready stage. I've got all the stuff. My we uh, we blew out our kitchen, put in a new new kitchen, and pretty much everything but the kitchen sink was in, on the top of my bass boat. Kitchen sink was underneath it, so every time I went around it, I kicked the the kitchen sink, but I kicked everything but the bucket. So we're we're all good. I'm clearing that off now and getting ready for uh, the season, which starts, you know, for me, January 14th, and kind of getting into this colder weather. We have a winter. Go figure. So change the fishing up a little bit from what we've had for the last few years maybe. We'll see what happens, and we have water coming into the lakes. We had a bunch of water come down last night, so we'll, we'll just see where this the, where it takes us for the first part of the year, and as the salt water slows down, the freshwater starts up, so we'll see how she goes. Well, Stan, hopefully we are in
1: a wet cycle right now, because I don't think there's a lake in Southern California, or actually almost throughout all of California, that can't stand to have a little more water in it, and if you are a fisherman... Uh, you need water right now because you want higher water levels during uh, the spawn area because that's what produces the generation of fish
2: that we fish three, four, five years from now. Exactly correct. And some of the water is so low in some of the lakes right now that this water level hasn't been the same since they filled a lot of the lakes. And what you've got is a lot of silted in area. You've got where... There used to be rock when it was filling up. Now you've got silt built over a period of time. So everything's got mud on top of it. So there's no real A lot of the structure that you normally look for isn't there. So you're going to be out there looking for new locations. <laughs> That's, it's, it's the challenge of fishing.
1: Well, Stan, let's introduce our other co-host. She is the national sales manager for ISOline. She represents many other fine products in the fishing industry. She is also an expert fisherman and hunter. She's also a commercial fisherman, licensed to do that. Stan and I were very envious of her last weekend because while we were sitting here in the cold, she was down where it was warm with a long-range trip on the American angler. And we want to find out how she did. It's our own Wendy Toshihara. Wendy! Welcome back, and howdy.
3: Hello there. Yes, the weather was awesome. We had flat, calm seas, and the fishing was great.
1: Well, you know, Wendy, I'm going to presume it was great because I have been following you on on Facebook, and, man, you have, in the past few days, come up with a number of different ways to prepare fresh (laughs) fish. So I'm going to presume you had a great trip. (laughs)
3: <laughs> i had a great trip and uh you know everybody on the boat was fantastic the crew was amazing uh, ray was even more amazing you know we first started out heading straight for the rocks um and uh, it was a little slow the rp was there they were picking off wahoo you know um every now and then and then we we tried at it and it was kind of slow the rp left and we had the rest of the day to ourselves. And after that day, Ray decided, oh, let's go to the ridge, you know. We'll give somebody else a try. So we headed towards the ridge, and we were going to let another boat fish where we were. And they decided not to come down. So we ended up turning around and going back. Well, we had the place. It sat for almost a day, and then we went back. And the next morning, it was game on. We had... We had wahoo up to seventy pounds. Oh,
2: it, that's so go- That's so cool because when you get, the Lejos Rocks is just three chunks of of rock th- at the top of an old volcano in the middle of nowhere in the ocean, and there's these fingers of of uh, the rock underneath where the volcano used to be, but it, and it has all these different currents that run across it. But the wahoo stack up on that thing along with the big yellowtail and. And it used to be that schools tuna up from 30 to 80 pounds would be all over it. Now you see a lot of the smaller stuff. But well, if you can get the right timing where the the boats haven't been there, and it's a popular place for every boat that's going long range, but you get a day or two layoff, and that fish kind of gets a chance to group back up on it, it can be really game out, And they're they've been really good ones. Do you get... A 70-pound wahoo is an impressive fish. <laughs> That's an alligator <laughs> with the tail of a fish. Man, it's that is great.
3: Absolutely. Well, you, know, you really have to be careful with those wahoo because, um, you know, at the end of our trip when they're taking those wahoo out of um, the hold yes. and putting it on deck, you still, even though they're dead, a lot of people don't realize how sharp those teeth are and they actually cut through somebody's boot and and cut their toe. So really. Yeah, really really be careful. Well, you know, especially
1: if you're wearing shorts and as those things are flopping around on the deck and you find this almost with any fish, the uh uh the tail fins or the uh, the back tail uh you know, dorsal fins and things like that. Those things uh Brush up against your legs and stuff like that, and they can uh, they can bruise you pretty easily.
2: Well, that's it. They have you wear the the guys on the long range boats. will tell you, you know, don't wear sandals if we're fishing for wahoo. Put your boots on, deck mm-hmm. uh, your feet. That's a mandatory requirement. Um, and then when when you do hang one of these things, a lot of times you can't you don't pump when you you reel on these fish because you drop the rod down and if you've got a lure and is in on there uh, could be iron could be a bomb whatever else even with a hook you drop your rod tip like like you would to pump it and, and wind on another fish and they'll shake their head and everything just comes loose and it happens all the time you think you got them and you don't so when you when they hang them with the gaff too, the they'll usually say wahoo coming over get out of the way because when they come up, they can still throw that head back and forth, and if there's the lure in their face, they can throw the lure just as easily there. And then they don't want you to get your leg or your arm or your anything involved with their with their teeth. Like Wendy was saying, it's a it's just like a a buzz saw.
3: It, it well, is. Wendy? Those, uh, those you, teeth aren't that big either, but boy, do they cut!
1: Yeah. They do, do. Did you have a lot of casualty, even though you were into fish? Like Stan was staying, where there are a lot of casualties, where you got a lot of people hooked up and they lost them, Wendy?
3: Absolutely. It's wahoo fishing. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they really liked the gold raiders. Um, it was really ca- uh, overcast and, you know, cloudy. And and so the the bright uh, the gold worked better than using a silver. Like on a sunny day, you would use the silver. The gold really made a difference. And they weren't really biting the bomb.
2: Huh. Was Where, there a gold and, you know, the, a lot of times they'd like the gold and another color with it. Was there a preference? Yeah. Golden, gold,
3: pink? golden pink, golden purple, golden green, you know, just a little strip of that um that sticker.
2: The tape, yep. Tape, yeah. Wow.
1: And then what happened after the uh, you uh, being at the Aleos Rocks, uh, And
3: then we went to the ridge and, um, you know, not one grouper was caught, but we did catch yellowtail and tuna. And, and like you said, Stan, um, the tuna was small, um, schooly-sized tuna at both places, at the Ridge and the Rocks. But we did have, we did have one that was probably pushing 40 pounds.
2: Well, that's, wow. that, that fish has been around there. It's been kind of hit and miss. There's that, like, 30 to 50-pound fish. There's a school of that that's there, that, but it's, it's been hit and miss at the best. A lot of that stuff is 12 to 20 Uh, that most of the guys are running into down there, but there's a lot of it. And uh, and a lot of times on the way down, you don't want to catch that fish. You know, if you catch some, we donate that to the chef and here. Make something good like Wendy does.
3: (laughs) 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 We we went exploring so Ray could find um, other places to fish. And so we actually found a couple other spots that were, were holding a lot of yellowtail. And, uh, it, it was, it was such fun fishing, whether it was dropper loop or I, I like to use my tatties. There was a picture that I, uh, posted with my, uh, a 14, um, yes. and I love scrambled egg over there, but scrambled egg and mint were working.
1: Yeah. I saw that picture of you with a nice yellow tail that looked like you hung on an iron windy, uh, uh, where was that? And what grade of fish was that?
3: It was a secret spot. <laughs> New territory. <laughs> I won't <laughs> and,
1: fish it. I swear I won't go down.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah, Ray, Ray decided, ah, let's go check this out. So we went to go check out that spot and they were um probably um anywhere from fifteen to twenty-five pound yellowtail.
2: You know that A fourteen, that, that Taddy fourteen, I love that bait. It's harder, it's kinda hard to find, but that scrambled egg has been the bait of choice down there mint, mint will work you know you get onesy twosies on on the other stuff but the scrambled egg has been the the color of choice down there for the yellowtail for sure whether it was a surface iron or that that heavier A14 that 14's magic so or you know even the old 40 the Taddy 40 heavy
3: um, yeah apple. i i like the A14 because it was heavier than the 40 so yep. it got you know it got it dropped down a lot faster
1: Well, Wendy, what was the duration of your trip? And on a trip like that, with as much traveling around that you were doing, how many actual days of fishing did you get in?
3: So we were on a 10-day trip. We had 24 passengers, including uh, Lori and and myself. And um, we had two days down, two days, uh, a day and a half back, because we started working our way back and and fishing like Nativa Dad. We went to Ch- Chester's Rock. Oh, my gosh, Chester's Rock was so much fun. I've always loved that place. I put on my uh, three-quarter-ounce uh, lead head and put on a number 34, 5.2-inch big hammer. It's like a green sardine color. And I caught everything from white sea bass, yellowtail, calico sand bass, barracuda on that thing. It was awesome.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That is the most fun fishing of. Uh, we can if you can get down there and they can get in there next to some of those high spots or 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 Chester's where you've got you know kelp line and and rock like that. That style fishing, we tell all the guys bring you know bring what we call a bass rod, something that's lighter weight that you can throw the uh, 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 swim bay with, and and you can sometimes it's a fish a cast literally.
3: Oh, it and was.
2: You're gonna get.
3: Mm. It was. Well, it was amazing
1: well listen wendy we're going to come back and revisit your trip because we got to take a break right now we also want to talk about a seminar that's coming on up and which you're going to be one of the featured speakers it's a long-range seminar let's talk about that coming up too and uh any other things but uh Guys, we got to take a break right now. And coming up next is going to be Captain Mike Franchek from Relentless Sports Fishing. So stay tuned. There's a whole lot more Ron and Reel Radio coming up after these messages.
4: Hi, Roland Martin here. I'd like to tell you a little about Gary Yamamoto and the Gary Yamamoto Custom Bait Company. It all started with an idea, then a dream, and in 1983, the Gary Yamamoto Custom Bait Company was formed. If you know Gary Yamamoto like I do, and I've known him since 1983, you know he has a passionate love for the sport of fishing. That love is only matched by his obsession to design and produce the highest quality soft plastic fishing lures on the market today. Every bait Gary makes is inspected by hand. Today, more than 2.5 million packages of bait are shipped worldwide. On behalf of Gary and his staff, he wants to thank his customers for thinking so highly of his products and wishing you the great success at the sport of fishing. Whether you fish for fun or fish a tournament circuits like I do, you'll honor Gary for making Gary Yamamoto Custom Baits a key part of your fishing experience. Take it from me, Roland Martin. When I'm in need of a go-to bait, my first choice is a Gary Yamamoto Custom Bait. Turner's Outdoorsman, California's number one fishing, hunting,
5: and shooting sports retailer, now has 28 locations. Turner's is your one-stop shop. For fishing tackle, hunting gear, and everything for shooting sports, Turner's offers a full selection and unmatched prices on the gear you need. Whether you're planning a fishing trip with the family or chasing giant tuna, Turner's highly skilled staff will make sure you have the gear for your next adventure. Visit turners.com to find a Turner's store near you and be sure to join the Turner's Discount Club to get weekly ads and specials right to your inbox. Turner's Outdoorsman, your one-stop shop for all your fishing needs.
2: The perfect day is my family and I on the boat out on the waterway. I love it. Nothing but sun, snacks, fishing, and of course, life jackets for everyone. Save the ones you love. Life jackets save lives. A message from California State Park's Division of Boating and Waterways.
6: Since being established in 2015, CCA has achieved great success for the entire sport fishing industry in the fight for our right to fish here in California. 2021 brought us plenty of success, but every year brings new battles, and we need your help. One of the best ways to help support CCA Cal is to join us and become a member, because strength is certainly in our numbers. Become a member today by logging on to joincca.org. Membership starts at $35 per year, and that is one of the best ways to help us while you go fishing.
7: Hi, this is Lori Heath. You may know me from some of the fishing boats out of San Diego. I want to talk to you about something that's really close to my heart. Did you know that when you donate blood, you're not only helping others, you're also helping yourself? Donating blood lowers the risk of heart attacks in men by more than 70%, lowers the risk of developing cancer, and helps you maintain a healthy liver. So donate blood. Donate blood to help someone else, and to help yourself. If you can't donate, you can still make a difference with the financial gift. It's the best way to give back. Hook, line, and sinker. And for more information and to make a financial donation or an appointment, visit sandiegobloodbank.org. That's the sandiegobloodbank.org. And just to let you know, I'm also a blood donor.
0: The warm weather is here and our lakes and rivers are brimming. Just remember, if you love California and you love to boat, please wear your life jacket. And make sure everyone with you puts one on too. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways.
1: Stan Vandenberg, Wendy Toshihara, and myself, we want to welcome you back to Ron Real Radio. Hey, let's get along to welcoming our first guest of the night. Man, had himself a great season. What a season to be owning one of the sport fishing boats here in San Diego. A lot of ups and downs. Hopefully, he had a lot of ups. Let's find out how the season went for him. It's Captain Mike Franchek from Relentless Sports Fishing out of H&M Landing. Captain Franchak, how are you doing today? Good. How you doing, John? Good evening, gang. Did eat do you you know here we are we're we're sitting on kind of a blustery cool evening but i think when you go back and you look how the 2022 season went for you it probably was pretty successful tell me is that right
8: oh yes yeah, it's, it's it's been good you know it, when i when i started uh 15 years ago it, it definitely was arguably a, a world-class history here in san diego and and what we've experienced the last seven or eight years with with uh, migratory game fish, and in particular this trophy bluefin, I mean, it's, it's hard to believe there's anywhere else in the world you can you can hop on a boat and in a matter of uh, twelve hours or less be, be on the type of type of fishing
1: grounds we've experienced the last couple of years. That's
8: for certain.
2: Amen. There.
1: It it was it was an incredible season though because where anywhere on this world can you go and you go out with the anticipation of bluefin. And if they weren't biting, then maybe you head more to the coastline to see if you could get some yellowtail, you get some Dorado, there were no, some yellowfin you know, out we'll, there,
8: You know, we'll take it Everything. a step further. You know, we, a lot of our charters are twos and two and 3s and, and that just gives us so much more versatility. And, and uh, yeah, was that nighttime bluefin being a thing, there's a lot of times you get engaged in that and do your thing, and then it's like, well, shoot, let's go do something different. Let's go get the anchor down on, on offshore bank and – at times i have very, very good yellowtail fishing or, you know, Dorado fishing all the way up to, to damn near point conception was, was absolutely unheard of. And, and, uh, you know, yeah, coastal yellowtail, islands yellowtail. I mean, there's, there's been literally as a charter boat ever since I bought the boat in April, 2015 um, it's really been remarkable how, how day in and day out there's, there's something viable to fish at all times, whether, whether you're, you're adjusting a trip due to weather or fishing or the group there's really been uh, – it's been good fishing in general, and it's been uh, gosh darn fantastic charter boat
2: fishing, that's for sure. Well, you know, it's changed in the last, like you said, years here, and you bought the boat just at the right time to, to get into a situation where the the day boat guys have to become long-range fishermen. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, we uh,
8: fish in core from, uh, you know, the, the – early to mid, you know, 2000 decade all the way through. The last time we caught insubstantial albacore would have been 2010. Um, we always saw that bluefin. We always saw 80 to 150-pound bluefin or bigger. And uh, we, would, we would drive away from it. You'd see acres of that stuff or, or good sonar schools. And, and for the most part, you'd drive away from it, partly because a lot of times the stuff wouldn't bite or we hadn't really adapted to fish that stuff the way we do now. And then the main driving factor is, uh, I mean, the average guy does not have that type of gear. Whereas now, you know, with a with a four out reel and a two speed reel and some spectra, a guy the average guy can come out and fish fish twenty five to forty pound school sized fish all day and still have the opportunity to catch catch a fish over hundred pounds, it's pretty pretty remarkable.
1: Well Mike, tell us about though these extended driving factor,
8: I'd say in, in that fishery, aside from the fish being here year round, is is the gear that uh, the average fisherman has acclimated to.
2: You know, Mike, that's the tell- change. That people have had to go through normally for years and years and years to get that fish if you wanted a hundred pound fish for instance you had to get on a long yeah range. i mean we, we
8: occasionally hook it and you'd be on the fish for three hours or something like that two and a half hours and and you'd be lucky if you caught the fish you know and so it's something that that for the most part we would drive away from whereas now i mean like we're we're keyed on as a fleet staying on that fish and and the nighttime fisheries developed to where that's a whole other thing and it's been pretty interesting to see the fleet adapt so dramatically in the last decade.
2: And it worked with everybody else to make sure that they stayed on that fish too, because it did move around. It, it moves a lot actually. Uh, and Yeah, it does. Been- it does. I mean, it, that fish always has moved. Um, one thing
8: well, that's, that's really impressive with, with that nighttime fishing is you, you could very well be on fish uh, and it not be the right fish. You know, that, that nighttime bite fish, you could be off of it a couple of miles. So, it's very much paramount to keep keep guys out, keep guys on it, you know I think a lot a lot helps with guys on two and three day trips where you know for the most part every every night somebody is tracking that fish and and you can stay on it it doesn't mean it bites every night, but at least for the most part you're you're on it because all it takes is being uh getting sidetracked on different fish or being off of it a couple miles and and you know it's you have a very quiet night whereas you stay on it. And and you know you've seen you've seen what we've done for the last couple of years on nighttime fishing. It's pretty pretty fantastic.
2: Well, you know what? While you were out there chasing that that stuff at night too, um, it's kind of gotten to the point where you know you could find fish that were if the fish were up a little higher in the in the water zones that that fish was more actively feeding than the stuff that was down below. But it, I think the the fleet on the whole has learned how to catch them whether it was up on that, that let's say, 100 to 200-foot level and then then below that when you got yeah, down. Yeah, with that nighttime fish, you're definitely looking for, uh,
8: most of the time you're looking for a, a, a different type of volume. I mean, it's pretty pretty mind-boggling the amount of volume that's, that that stuff tends to be, and then you're looking for uh, kind of a magic depth. You know, we, we'll see that stuff most of the time when it bites, anywhere from, I'd say, 25 to, to 40 fathoms. It's like 150 to 240 feet, and um, you yeah, know, depends how stuff's marking up. You can pretty much tell when you're gonna get bites and when you're not gonna get bites. Um, so, yep. you, a lot of times you leave fish. You might be on fish all afternoon, and, and you're like, "Oh man, like this this might be it." But but if it's dark, it doesn't look right. You, you you keep looking. You know, it's definitely uh not not all that bluefin bites at night. You know, it's, you gotta get on the right the right the right fish with the right behavior, the right feed, and uh, it's definitely something that we've definitely come a long ways adapting to a fleet. I remember in 2007, we we were fishing kind of a um, San Clemente Basin buoy area in, like, May. And uh, we, have, we have okay yellowtail fishing on kelp, but primarily you were trying to shut down as early as 4 in the morning on bluefin. And um, we we catch a little bit of, like, 40 to 60-pound fish. And a lot of times we're catching on, like, 16-ounce diamond jigs and, and whatnot. And uh, I look back now, and if we had fished that fish the way we do then – Instead of catching 5 to 10 fish for your morning, there's, there have been good potential for, uh, you know, 30, 40 fish nights, that's for sure.
2: Well, that's the learning curve we've been going through with everybody trying to figure out, because this unless you're a long-range fisherman and you're fishing the old PL68s and you know that bigger fish where you're winding the iron through that thing from deeper uh depths and and then fishing the chandelier rig and some of these the things that they've learned how to to fish this bluefin, but it's a different fishery than the yellowfin that were were down below, and and it, then you get the situation where we we had wahoo in our in in the, in the harbor basically up here in San Pedro yeah. and all the way to Ventura. We've had a little of everything in the last. Yeah, it's been six, pretty cool. And and then and that has,
8: bluefin, you know, it's 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 hard not to think that stuff's not here to stay. Like, like even as, as far back as two thousand seven, we were seeing that stuff in May. So, I mean, I I don't think that stuff's going anywhere anytime soon. It's definitely been, a, I would say, a, an industry-changing fishery for sure.
1: Well, Mike, with the boats that are right now fishing still out of L.A., going out of 22nd Street and some of the landings up there, they're fishing the Tanner Bank. And the report, and we had Rob Tressler on who had uh, fished the, uh, the Freedom last week. In fact, he and Lori were on the Freedom again this weekend. They were saying that on the bank's, it is just loaded with squid and food yeah. for these fish. So there's no reason for these fish to leave here unless we get some really, really inclement weather come through.
8: Yeah. And a lot of that big fish does seem to do the same migratory pattern. It gets, to, it gets down there below Cedros and it gets down there on the ranger bank. And it seems like, seems like as, as each year, you know, you look at things being, you know, wholeheartedly individual and, and drastically different. It's, it's amazing how the same, the same plot lines do develop, and and for us, one has been that March, April, May fishery developing down the beach, anywhere from like uh, Abima, Ensenada, and Todos to to down to like you know uh, between Colinette and San Martin. It Seems like that bigger fish likes to come right up that fathom curve. We get on it pretty much every year, March, April, and um, there's no reason not to think we're going to be doing the, the same the same pattern here.
2: Yeah, the other thing uh, uh, learned is how to how to catch the fish when they weren't eating fin bait um yeah and using iron you know the the dropper loop thing came into play here i mean there's been mm-hmm. a lot of different styles but but the fish didn't want to eat fin bait that's a bait fish that you put out uh, on a hook <laughs> for the first part of the season that was that was not even part of the deal you had to figure out yeah. how to on on something that was a reaction bait yep and well, that's, I think
8: tell- that's that's where that nighttime fishing has certainly given us an edge. That that same fish you look at during the day or sinks out during the day, um, you know, you, you, you could be looking at fish for uh, for twelve, fourteen, sixteen hours and have a have a two hour bite window in the middle of the night. And as long as as long as you're on that fish, you're 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 in there.
1: Mike, you gotta tell us about some of the logistical problems that you have as an owner or operator because. If you're going out on charters or whatever it is, and they're a two-day trip, three-day trips, whatever it is, uh, you need crew, you need second tickets, uh, uh, and the whole yeah. Thing no, I mean it's <laughs> going crazy. Um, not
8: not to not to sound uh, above all that, but we've we've had the same crew for years. Um, you know, we I I think uh, the only thing i can classify as far as logistical issues would have been you know coming out of that COVID period as far as. You know some some logistical galley supplies and stores and stuff like that, but uh, no. In San Diego, we pretty much have a very good uh, support chain, and we run uh, we run one to three day trips from, from from January through. In this case, you know, we ran right through uh, uh, mid to late November, and I, I honestly can't say we've had any real logistical issues um, other than the obvious, you know, cost of fuel and stuff like that. But uh, no, we're 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 steaming ahead, full uh, full speed ahead, looking forward to 2023 already. And uh, honestly, I can't really say we've we've had too much uh, logistical adversity.
1: Oh, that's good to hear. Not only that, it's great when you get customers that come back and they see the same faces on the boat, the people that yeah. have helped yeah. them out, the, the people that are cooking, the people that are running, the people that are giving them instructions, that they have the same faces. They've been successful with them in the past and you want to stay with success, and you want to keep on with those same people.
8: Yeah, it's a beautiful part about Charter Boat, too. You know, we, it's it's pretty much, uh, you, you get it going, it's kind of on autopilot. You know, you got the same crew, you got the same customers, and it's just, uh, we get them on the boat, we do what we do, and it just uh, it just uh, kind of keeps perpetuating itself and just keeps building, and, and, and word of mouth, and, and one guy who books one charter, which is in the three, and then a, a buddy who fished with him on that charter, which is in the three, and next thing you know, you have a, a robust charter calendar where where you're at a point where you really can't even can't even squeeze that much more in if you, if you'd like to, you know, it's definitely a, it's good. And, and with the fishery you've had, it just gives us the excuse to go out and, and kind of do different things throughout the year. It's been a extremely diverse fishery, which has been uh very, very rewarding as an operator, you know, whether it's getting the anchor down and catch a yellowtail at Komeni or, or springtime bluefin or, you know, Fishing, fishing, yellowfin all the way to Thanksgiving. It's it's been uh, it's been really rewarding the last uh, eight years.
2: You know, look at the the one thing we had with that. There was one area. There was I don't know a few miles across, mine, a few miles wide. that was just all Dorado this year for yeah. whatever. reason. <laughs> but it was just one area. But if you drove through it, there was kelps and whatever else. And but it, it wasn't that they were all under one kelp. They were all over the place and There's all can- an
8: incredible well, incredible amount of open water dorado particularly in u.s waters and we we've seen that at some point almost every year that i've operated um, you see a lot of dorado up there you know above the 43 and up the orange county coast and it's a lot of open water fish turn bird fish and uh you kind of it kind of uh, notoriously doesn't bite but in this case it was such a biomass up there and, and you, you could definitely get away from the pack for sure you know you could definitely get away from some of that coverage and, and, and that fish and, and have plenty, plenty of good fishing away from that. But it was definitely pretty impressive. There's, there's times you'd be driving around, um, no kelp in sight, no, 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 you know, no, no audio sonar fish, no visual fish. And, uh, honest to God this year, there's times where you look in the water, um, just, just driving and you'd see just open water Dorado milling around. It's pretty, pretty crazy.
1: Hey, we're speaking with Mike Frankcheck. He is uh, owner-operator of Relentless Sports Fishing out of H&M Landing. Mike, uh, can we get you to stay with us uh, a little bit longer? We've got to take a commercial break right now. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, you guys stay tuned. Stan Wendy, and I and Captain Mike Frankcheck will be back after these commercial messages.
9: Hi, this is Jim Trelikas. Whether you're an avid angler or custom rod builder like me, you need to team up with the leading innovator in rod building related products, Batson Enterprises. From rain shadow rod blanks, engineered by anglers, for anglers, to quality rod components supplied by Alps and Forecast, Batson Enterprises will enhance the quality of your fishing and rod building experience. Batson Enterprises for many years has excelled in incorporating rod building technologies and techniques into every product sold, owner built, Batson has assembled one of the finest group of in-house professionals to assist you with your every rod building question or need. So take it from me, Jim Trelikas. When my customer's expectation is for me to build them the finest fishing rod their money can buy, I turn to Batson Enterprises for the best rod components my money can buy.
1: Hi. This is John, and I'd like to invite you to the new Angler's Arsenal location in Lakeside, California. We've put together a staff of experts that'll help you find the tackle and gear you need at a price you can afford. We carry all major brands, and if you need custom work done, we can do that for you with both rods and reels. How about servicing your old equipment? No problem. We can do it quickly, easily, at a price you can afford. We also do custom hand-poured plastics through Western Plastics. Design the lure of your dreams and catch the fish that have been getting away. So come and visit us in Lakeside. We're at 12255 Woodside Avenue. Or you can visit us at anglersarsenal.com. If you need to call us, we're at 619-466-8355. See you there. Are you looking for a quality fishing experience out of Cabo San Lucas for you, your family, and friends, but are a little set back with what charter company to choose? We urge you to use American and family-owned Lands and Charters. Lands and Charters offers their passengers affordable and all-inclusive services on a variety of vessels and trips. Fish with the latest of fishing gear while experiencing the hospitality of a long-time-owned family business. Go to LensNcharters.com to see all of their vessels and amenities available. Call Cabo Greg or Jenny at 800-281-5778 when you're ready for an action-packed Cabo fishing experience.
11: Hey everybody! This is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419. Or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com.
1: One Real Radio is brought to you by BajaBound.com Insurance Services. Are you driving to Mexico? You can buy and print out your Mexican auto insurance policy online in the convenience of your own home or office in minutes. Now with BajaBound.com's easy-to-use website. After printing your auto insurance, check out the BajaBound.com site. There, too, you will find great travel tips and information to help you get the most out of your next road trip south of the border. So this is an important fact to remember. Use BajaBound.com. It's the easiest way to find and get Mexican auto insurance. If
0: you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top-angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their products. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Rodden Real Radio is now available as a podcast you can subscribe to on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Get notified as soon as new episodes are available. Or go back and listen to our past shows. Browse through all of our archive shows at
6: roddenrealradio.com archives and click the subscribe button to get started listening now.
1: Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I, we want to welcome you back to Run Real Radio. We are speaking with Captain Mike Franchek. He is owner-operator of Real Sports Fishing out of H&M Landing. he have been reliving a little bit of the most dynamic 2022 season, I think, that maybe fishermen have seen in a long, long time. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about 2023. But before we do that, Mike, was there any one particular fish or catch that just sticks in your mind going, whoa, this is worth the <laughs> price of admission for doing all of this?
8: No, it's, it's honestly, I mean, it, sound, it sounds kind of just like a line, but uh, and that's all pretty rewarding, you know. Um, we, we, we get to do a little bit of it all, you know, whether it's, whether it's uh, coastal yellowtail fishing down the beach or, you know, that bluefin nine months out of the year. Um, again, some of, some of that fishing is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, but I mean, it's 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 all it's all a worthy challenge and it's all equally rewarding as you know when it all, when it all comes together for sure. Uh, depending on uh, any particular trip, group, weather, fishery, I mean, it's just uh, it's 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 very much a blessing doing what we do and, and and we enjoy it. We can't wait to get back out to 2023. Uh, last year, I mean, the things that would just stand out as being something you might not see again would be um, you know some some of that mahi fishing, especially by the border um just 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 the volume of that stuff was pretty pretty impressive um but i mean like i said each season's followed a lot of the same same plot points and uh we've had we've had pretty darn uh pretty darn consistent fishing i'd say at least nine months out of the year for for almost a decade now it's 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 pretty uh it's pretty <laughs> pretty good time to be doing what we do that's for sure
1: well let's look a little bit ahead now and look at two thousand twenty three what's the schedule looking like for you what what kind of trips do you want fishermen to be calling you up on? Uh, will you be available for um, any open yeah, fishing? Yeah, we're, we're, we're putting or our what? charter
8: calendar. Uh, obviously, already for, for summer 2023, those those dates book up earlier and earlier every year. Um, Short term, we're, we're wrapping up a little bit of, of boatyard time uh, and then getting getting splashed here this week and settling in for the holidays. And we, we come out of the gate in, uh, in January 2023 doing our, do our Baja Coastal stuff. Uh, mix of charters and open party. And um, that's specifically set up to fish fish down the beach, uh u- utilizing that uh, that resource we have access to out of San Diego here below the border, and um, fishing fishing you know wintertime yellowtail lot like yo-yo style yellowtail fishing, uh, which at times can be uh, every bit of phenomenal and then uh deep deep water cod at times we're fishing shallow as well inside hundred and eighty feet. but uh, for the most part, we're set up to be fishing uh fishing wintertime yellows. Uh, usually are better grade yellows down the beach and then fishing fishing uh ground fish anywhere from I'd say uh three hundred and sixty uh, to seven hundred feet of water. And the cool thing about that is it puts us in a pretty good position to be doing a little bit of exploratory bluefin down the beach as well. Um so kinda looking forward to it. Definitely uh we got a mix of charters open party all the way through um through May. Um, specifically January and February, we'll be hugging the coast, looking, looking at yellowtail, looking at, uh, like I said, doing a little bit of, uh, sinkering up and sack filling with some, some quality cod. And, uh, who knows, might even, might even uh, get a shot at a bluefin here and there as well. And as we transition into March, uh, we kind of have a straight open party schedule of, uh, morning departure two days, which are kind of set up to definitely capitalize on any type of exploratory bluefin fishing we can do. And uh, also banking on uh, on definitely filling filling the sack and filling the freezer on uh, on mixed mixed coastal fish down the beach.
1: Now, for fishermen that are looking for a good charter experience, tell us a little bit about the Relentless itself. Uh, uh, give us some of the statistics and range, and what type of trips yeah. we could be looking for
8: um, too. Yeah, nothing nothing new there. those has been doing what, it, what it's been doing for for a long time. Um, we we. Specialize in one- to three-day trips. Uh, it's a 60-by-20-foot boat. We'll sleep upwards of 21 people. The boat fishes just fine at 21 people. However, seems like just uh, the perfect charter size tends to be anywhere from 16 to 18 guys. we I mean, have anything from uh, groups of friends, high school reunions, alumni groups, fishing clubs, family charters, corporate charters, you, you name it, we've, we've done it. So definitely uh, keep, keeps us busy.
1: All right, and if people want to find out more about Relentless Sports Fishing, the charters that you're uh, going to be offering or to charter with you, how's the best way of getting a hold of you, Mike? The best way to get a hold of me would be this number. If you want to talk, uh, talk you know, a potential charter, uh, scheduling
8: or availability, it would be 619-818-5664. Uh, parallel to that would be an email, relentlesscharters at outlook.com, and uh, anything we do open party, is through HM Landing, um, and they have a very prolific website, hmlanding.com. It's got a full schedule for the landing. Uh, by far, the most the most uh, versatile, robust collection of vessels on the coast, and uh, I'd say probably the busiest year-round landing out the coast. So, depending what somebody wants to do, any time of the year, from something as short as a six-hour trip to uh, to a sixteen-day trip, they can definitely find uh, access to that at hmlanding.com. And um, once again, as far as any charter inquiries, they are more than welcome to, to reach out to me at relentlesscharters@outlook.com, at Or uh, give me a call, 619-818-5664, and we can definitely talk some fishing.
1: And I'm going to imagine the sooner the better, Mike, because <clears throat> 2023 is shaping up to be as epic, if not even better, than 2022 was. And all the good dates and good spots are going to be taken up in a hurry.
8: Yeah, our, our summertime feels 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 quick, um, so that's something we definitely stress stress to our return groups as they they start they start locking in all their stuff. I'd say from uh, from the time they uh, they walk on the boat in the summertime to about now, and then uh, between now and and you know the end of the year, they'll, they'll, there's some availability as well, especially midweek. But uh, no, definitely, uh, charters go fast. That's for sure. And then when when uh, we do have a hole here and there, we we definitely are, are very appreciative to have a little bit of limited load, open party access as a landing, and uh, that stuff usually comes up late late spring.
1: All right, Captain Mike Franchak, he is owner operator, Relentless Sports Fishing. Great time with you, Mike, and we look forward to sharing some times with you in 2023, yeah. and maybe even a report every now and again on how successful you've been.
8: Absolutely, we'll we'll, we'll give you a jingle through the through the uh, winter we're running running every weekend and uh if if you like and give us give us a call we'll let you know what we do each and every week and uh, look forward to seeing you guys at the rail and have a very merry christmas and a happy and safe new year and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon
1: you have a good holiday too mike from all of us here at rod real radio thanks mike it. yeah hey Wendy, i tell you uh you know mike was talking about going up and down the coast uh I've got a a feeling that uh, you probably had really an exceptional trip on the American Angler with the variety of fish and just the great fishing that you saw this past week.
3: Well, not only that, this is an annual trip of ours. It's an Line turners Outdoorsman trip. And the passengers on the boat also make an amazing trip we had you know return customers of course and friends and it was such a good time and the food was great and it was there were a lot of firsts a lot of uh first time wahoo guys and it and there were a couple of birthdays and we sang happy birthday and had birthday cake and had a tequila tasting party and it was just a a lot of fun
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know you know uh uh, Wendy, i'm I'm gonna imagine there's probably a few ladies out there that might have some anxieties about going, "Oh my gosh, uh, being on a an extended trip like that, uh, going after fish, being gone from home that long, uh, tackle gear and everything like that uh, that might have uh, even even some first time guys uh, just going on a trip like that and here, you made it sound like uh, it was uh, almost like going out on a cruise and you got a chance to fish, too.
3: It, it was a cruise. It was a fishing cruise. And, by the way, we had six ladies on board. So it was pretty yeah. cool. And and for anybody who's contemplating going on a 10-day trip, even the guys who say, oh, that's just too long, on uh, when Day at the Docks comes around in 2023, head on down. And take a look at all those boats and and see the quarters that you're going to be staying in. It's just amazing. It's a floating hotel.
2: I'll vote for that You know when you get if you get a chance to walk on any of those long range boats that like to go that eight to fourteen day trips where you get away and everybody goes, oh, how can you be on the boat that long? Man, it goes so fast. You you want another couple of days while you're out there because you, you might you might want to be able to go further down or try something different than you've been trying because you can't catch them unless you go. And, I mean, from our trip I had where we went down on an 11-day trip and we were the first ones to get down all the way to outside of Cabo San Lucas to the Jaime and then come back up. But we got to... A chance to pull on that 300 pound plus yellowfin, and and get our butts kicked by <laughs> by that same fish. And there's then trip after trip that found it on the potato bank that were down there. That seems to be an area that that fish likes to come in after the spawn and and feed. But you can't catch one if you don't go on one of these trips. And to be able to catch the wahoo like Wendy was talking about, up to 70 pounds. That's a Humongous wahoo and a ton of fun to catch, and the challenge of trying to get one on the boat. I mean, I went one for thirteen one year, (laughs) so it's a it's a great experience. And you don't get a chance to go. I mean, to catch that fish unless you go. I mean, we've had wonderful fishing up here in our neck of the woods here, right off the California coastline, down at the Mexican border for the bluefin, and we get some. We've had. I think I was pulling for Wendy to catch a wahoo in the, 80, in the 805 area code. <laughs> well, you, you know, Stan, here is the opportunity
1: of people to find out what it's all about. Because the San Diego anglers are going to be presenting a night at the round table that is going to be dedicated to basically long-range sports fishing. And they're going to have guests out there like uh, Steve Carson from Penn, Mike Lackey from the Vagabond, they're going to have uh, uh, whole seminars on long-range preparation from uh, the guys at Fisherman's Landing Tackle. They're going to be addressing subjects like uh, rigging and wiring for Wahoo, rigging fluorocarbon, monofilament leaders, and what you need to fish for the big tuna, marlin, and dorado. And their special guest speaker for the night is going to be our own Wendy Toshihara. This is going to be <laughs> January the 11th at the Portuguese Hall here in in uh, uh, Point Loma. And, Wendy, that sounds like if people want to find out what long-range fishing is all about, maybe an event they're going to want to attend.
3: Absolutely. You know, this is going to be my first time Um uh, speaking at this event and I'm excited, you know, and especially since everything's all fresh in my mind coming off a 10 day trip. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We, uh, uh, we've got the information here at anglers arsenal. Most of the shops around here in San Diego probably have it posted too. It's going to be the San Diego anglers. Let me give you all the information again. It's going to be January the 11th. It's going to be at the Portuguese hall down over in point Loma, The door is open up at 630. It's going to be at 7 o'clock. If San Diego anglers are running it, there's going to be a lot of refreshment, a lot of things to add. But it, it sounds like it's going to be a great night of information, especially for people that go, you know what? I'm not sure if long range is the way I want to go, but let's talk to the people that are doing it regularly to find out just exactly what's going to be in store for us. And our own Wendy is going to be there too. She's, she's heading a star studded cast. Congratulations on that. I don't know
3: how I made it to that. Those (laughs) cast of characters, but I'll be there
1: (laughs) because if there's anyone in this world that knows how to tie a knot, it's you. (laughs) (laughs) Hey guys, let's take a break right now. Coming up next, the fishmonger himself, Tommy Gomes, is going to be with us, so stay tuned. There's a lot more, a lot more Ron Real Real Radio to come after these messages.
5: Turner's Outdoorsman, California's number one fishing, hunting, and shooting sports retailer, now has 28 locations. Turner's is your one-stop shop for fishing tackle, hunting gear, and everything for shooting sports. Turner's offers a full selection and unmatched prices on the gear you need. Whether you're planning a fishing trip with the family or chasing giant tuna, Turner's highly skilled staff will make sure you have the gear for your next adventure. Visit turners.com to find a Turner store near you and be sure to join the Turner's Discount Club to get weekly ads and specials right to your inbox. Turner's Outdoorsman your one-stop shop for all your fishing needs.
6: Since being established in 2015, CCA has achieved great success for the entire sport fishing industry in the fight for our right to fish here in California. 2021 brought us plenty of success, but every year brings new battles, and we need your help. One of the best ways to help support CCA Cal is to join us and become a member, because strength is certainly in our numbers. Become a member today by logging on to joincca.org. Membership starts at $35 per year, and that is one of the best ways to help us while you go fishing.
4: Hi, Roland Martin here. I'd like to tell you a little about Gary Yamamoto and the Gary Yamamoto Custom Bait Company. It all started with an idea, then a dream, and in 1983, the Gary Yamamoto Custom Bait Company was formed. If you know Gary Yamamoto like I do, and I've known him since 1983, you know he has a passionate love for the sport of fishing. That love is only matched by his obsession to design and produce the highest quality soft plastic fishing lures on the market today. Every bait Gary makes is inspected by hand. Today, more than 2.5 million packages of bait are shipped worldwide. On behalf of Gary and his staff, he wants to thank his customers for thinking so highly of his products and wishing you the great success at the sport of fishing. Whether you fish for fun or fish a tournament circuit like I do, you'll honor Gary for making Gary Yamamoto Custom Baits a key part of your fishing experience. Take it from me, Roland Martin. When I'm in need of a go-to bait, my first choice is a Gary
2: Yamamoto Custom Bait. Hey, bass fishermen. Who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the Bass Boat Program. It is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull... 7262, or just spell Bass Boat. 1 800 Bass Boat. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's 1 800 Bass Boat, the choice of the pros for Bass Boat Insurance. For more information, log on to 1 800BassBoat.com.
7: Hi, this is Lori Heath. You may know me from some of the sports boats out of San Diego. I want to talk to you about something that's really close to my heart the San Diego Blood Bank. Fishing for a way to make a difference in your community? Consider donating blood or making a financial donation to the San Diego Blood Bank. Your gift will impact medical research, revolutionize how we improve health and treat disease, and most importantly, give the gift of life. But we can't do it without you or without your help. Visit SanDiegoBloodBank.org to make an appointment or to give a financial donation today. It's the best way to give back. And just to let you know, I'm also a blood donor. The warm weather is here and our lakes and rivers are brimming. Just remember, if you
0: love California and you love to boat, please wear your life jacket. And make sure everyone with you puts one on, too. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways.
1: Hey, Stan Vandenberg, Wendy Toshahara, and myself. We want to welcome you back to Ron Real Radio. Well, our next guest is actually a fixture here in San Diego. We've known him for a long time. Have been buying product for him for a long time. As a matter of fact, it was very. Uh, you know, I I was remembering and listening with the ad that we just had with Roland Martin. The time that Roland Martin came here to San Diego. And he wanted to find out about the local fish that were available here in the Southern California area. And we got a hold of Tommy Gomes. And Tommy Gomes brought out this selection of fish that you cannot believe that were available in our waters. And I think it was the first time I ever came out with a realization about just what a sustainable fishery is and the fish that are available. So let's welcome to Ron Reel Radio, the fishmonger himself. Tommy Gomes, Tommy, you remember I think that day well when Roland came to visit, and uh you educated him on the different varieties of fish that are available here, and I don't even think you probably scratched the surface really
12: no, we just took a we just took a little bite of it, you know that was one of those i think we it was like two or three days it was one of those memories that I'll never forget, and again, I appreciate you putting that that whole thing together. It was a great show and. We brought in uh I think Captain James Nelson was one of our our uh camera boats and uh I think my buddy Jim was running my boat and we we had borrowed we borrowed Wendy Toshihara's boat for that <laughs> show. Yeah. She had that that bath <laughs> boat. And um yeah, it was super cool, man. It was super fun and he's a great guy. And you know what? Oh. I just wanna say that um I still get Christmas card
1: every year from his wife.
2: Yeah, from Judy and Roland? <laughs> yeah. Great.
1: Yeah. Uh, that was a great time, but I, I can't... I, one of the things I remember is how impressed he was by the selection of fish that you brought out, and I think uh, if you go to his... Uh, you can go to his archives and go to one of his shows where he was filmed here here in San Diego. That was a prominent part of his program. Not... Not like some other guys that might uh, edit that part of the program out when they come and visit you if when they're filming. But it was a great part, and he enjoyed not only the selection of fish that he had. Man, I remember he was eating the scallops raw, and he thought the uni was the best thing to come down the uh, the pike pikes and sliced raisin bread. <laughs> yeah, it it was super fun. I, I I'll never
12: forget the look on his face when I pulled that fresh uni uh, that fresh scallop out, I said, here, eat this, and he looked at me, I go, trust your fishmonger, bro, just go ahead and take a bite of that,
1: and he lit right up after he ate it. Oh, man, well, you know, that was an experience that was a special occasion, but now I think you've kind of taken that and encapsulated it into TunaVille. You want to tell us a little bit about the evolution of TunaVille, how this thing went from dream to becoming, and I don't think it's the total reality that you 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 dream it to be, but I got a feeling you're a heck of a lot closer than you've ever been.
12: Yeah, you know, Tunaville was something that my friend Mitch Conniff and I had always talked about. Um, Mitch he owns Mitch's Seafood there at Point Loma Sport Fishing, and um, we'd always. You know, we were just kicking it around. You know, we should open our own shop, open our own shop. And then when I left Catalina, the opportunity uh, popped up. And so we got a bunch of commercial fishermen involved. Uh, Randy Troussant, Brian Kirihara, uh Cameron from the Vagabond, John Conniff. He's got, he's uh, fishing lobsters. And all those guys also own sport boats, too. You know, the Royal Star, the American Angler, the Vagabond, and the Islander. So we all pitched in and and uh, threw everything into a pot, and we got the Tunaville Market and Grocery open, and and uh, we're doing some really cool things. I know we had a little bit of a scare there a couple weeks ago when uh, Tom Driscoll lost his lease, and and uh, the port was saying that they're going to tear down all the buildings, but we've got that all squared away, and
1: we're good to go. Wow, That's that good. is great. Here. Uh, With all the work that you've put into it, and I've got to tell you, you have taken basically zero space and created something there at Driscoll's uh, uh, Wharf that is going to be actually a a public attraction. It's going to be something that's going to make the wharf more uh, attractive for the public to come. So that helps with the
2: restaurants and everybody else that's located down there. I gotta tell yeah. you right now that the the the, the public attraction is Tommy, because if if you if you watched his his little stuff that he did on YouTube or or you know the Fishmonger, <laughs> the TV show, I love this man by the way, <laughs> but but I have sent tons of people to him to uh, ask about what fish to buy and how to cook it, and he used to do stuff where he would make things up with different styles of fish and different ways to cook it and present it in-store, in, in, in store. and people would learn what to do that they've never done before. And that right there is worth its weight in gold. And so, you know, I'm waiting for you to put the, the sign out in front of your place, Tommy, with the chicken holding the sign saying, Eat more fish. It's... It's... it's yeah. <laughs> That is common, but he is such a great guy. If you uh, we've known each other for a long, long time, but to be involved with the industry is one of the best people to to be able to talk to him and ask. You know, what's the difference between yellowfin and, and bluefin? Because people ask that to me all the time. You know, what's and you, you can answer that question if you want to, Tommy. but people, yeah, it's you know, about it's about ten bucks a pound. <laughs> that's the difference, <laughs> uh,
1: boy. And that's not on the wholesale level either, is it, Tommy? <laughs> no, no. But but t- no, tell having, us about it. You we're, we're having you were, really, to-
12: we're having a good time down there, and um, like this week, I got big eye tuna linguisa and I got big eye tuna chorizo, and I had a bunch of the the older portuguese come over from portuguese hall to try the linguiça and they absolutely loved it so we're we're on a path of doing some really cool things down there we're dry aging uh fish i got a bluefin loin in the cooler right now that has got 27 days on it i got a swordfish loin at 27 days got a bunch of toro uh we did a bunch of mojama which is like a like a prosciutto or or a salami. We did that out of uh, bluefin loins, and people were coming in. When we were sampling slices of that, people were like, um, oh, I want to buy a whole one. I am go, well, they're not quite ready yet, but you can put your name on them. They put their name and phone number on them, and I called them up when they were ready. They came down and got it, so it's been really fun.
3: Okay, I got you one. You know, and... I- I, I was able to go down there. Laurie and I went down there before we got on our trip and uh, walked in, and Tommy Tommy gave us this huge tour and gave us samples, and, oh, my gosh, amazing. He even had a little glass dropper with aged-smoked soy sauce. I mean, oh, just amazing.
2: <laughs> well, Tommy, I got a question for you, because people ask all the time when uh, when they get their tuna back from the – the processors, they get tuna bellies, whether it's yellowfin or bluefin bellies. What should yeah. they do with that? I mean, that stuff is great.
12: You can, you can salt it, cure it. You can go ahead and barbecue that stuff. Um, if you like, um, if you're doing home canning and you're going to can your tuna, then you can always cut a, a piece of the belly off and throw it in each can each jar that you're doing and that adds a little more flavor and a little more oil to it. Um, and then the, the belly's not for everybody. You know, it, it, it has a more pronounced fish flavor, especially on the blue pen. There's more fat to it. It kind of leaves a, leaves a, a fat layer, kind of like a Haagen-Dazs ice cream on the roof of your mouth. But <laughs> that stuff is definitely delicious. It's an acquired taste and, it's one of those things that we should all eat, and you know, you guys have been here. We've been friends forever, and you guys have always heard me say, "Utilize the whole fish. Eat the whole fish. You know, don't eat just that four ounce piece of fish. Bloodline out, skin off, no bones. Eat the whole fish. I mean, if you eat a whole chicken, why don't you eat the whole fish? You know, Tommy, Tommy
3: I, w- I was I was on a boat called Kitenya. Um it was a private charter, and the biggest fish biggest bluefin caught was a three forty six the smallest was a sixty pounder, and all those guys were gonna throw the bellies overboard. I'm like, oh no, 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 wait, I'll take take them. You guys can have the rest of the fish. I'll just take all the bellies right? thank you,
12: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, back in the day before sustainability became a big thing, um you know we would we would load up on the tuna saners. And, you know, there'd be like four or five ton of fish left, bluefin in the net, and we would cut the bellies out, save those, and throw the rest of the fish in the freezer. That's what the guys got to take home. Everything else went in the wells and then to the canneries. Um, But we would cut the bellies out, and we would save the bellies to bring home and barbecue. And I got to tell you, there's nothing better than and bluefin tuna uh, bellies on the barbecue. I mean, it's just delicious. You get that oh, fat no. cooking out of there. You get it dripping. You get the flame going. You get the char charbroiler. You get all of that texture and flavor profile going on. It's absolutely delicious.
2: T- tell them how to season that, Tommy. People don't know what to do with it.
12: You know, there's, <clears throat> there's all kinds of seasonings that are going out there now. You know, a lot of people... A lot of people, us older guys, that's us, fellas. Uh, you know, we we have a tendency to stick with what we know, the Italian dressing, you know, maybe a Montreal steak seasoning of some type, Mrs. Dash with low salt. But nowadays, there's so many different spice companies out there and salt companies out there, that, they, and it really does enhance your flavor profile when you're cooking that stuff, so... I mean, me personally, I marinated in Italian dressing, throw a little bit of uh, Montreal steak seasoning on there, and throw it on the barbecue with some good briquettes and some wood, and let that get in there and cook. But um, everybody's doing their own thing, especially now with Camp Chef coming out with all their new smokers, and then you got all the Traeger guys, and you know everybody's really stepping up the game. The one thing I will tell folks is that. If they're if they're running a camp chef system with the with the three burners, um, those things are cranking out like thirty thousand BTUs. If you're running one of those, I urge you to get the pizza oven that goes on top because that is a complete game changer when you're cooking fish. Cooking fish in a pizza oven is the way to
2: go. I'm telling you. I just happen to have a wood fire pizza oven in my backyard. So yeah,
12: it ain't for pizza and flatbread, man. Cook. Everything, everything. I make pancakes in mine, for crying out loud.
2: Don't make a good fry tip. It'll, it will just cooks well. <laughs> you know, Tommy, t-
1: yeah. tell us a little bit about Tunaville, because obviously you cannot be there 24-7, even though it seems like, uh, you know, it's happening like that. Uh, you have to depend on a great staff. Tell us about the people you have working there and some of the things that they're doing for you that are unique that you can't find maybe at, at your local uh, Vons or Albertsons when it looks at, when they're looking into the seafood department?
12: Yeah, we grabbed a couple of the chefs um, from Mitch's Seafood. So they're doing, and we're all working together on the flavors of the, you know, we usually have six to eight different types of ceviches out there. We're smoking wild shrimp. We're smoking scallops. Um, we make the, typical portuguese uh pickled tuna salad like i said earlier we got big eye guisa big eye chorizo in the house right now uh and then just your standard regular smoked fish mong chong ribs opa belly things like that um my staff i mean sunny trent you know you guys all know her from turner she used to work for me at Catalina offshore um she's just been amazing I actually stole her at the last uh Pacific Coast Sport Fishing Show. She was working the counter at Turner's. And I went up to her and slid a piece of paper with some numbers on it, and I said, this is your salary, and uh, you can start whenever you want. She showed up a week later. So, and then, <laughs> Renee, my, my, he's actually a fish fabricator. He's not a filet or a cutter. He's already surpassed all that. Uh, this guy, with a, he's got uh, the most amazing knife skills I've seen. He's absolutely just top-notch. He was with me for about 15 years at Catalina. Um, and then, you know, David Conway, he's, he's a custom rod builder and a bass fisherman that I'll break their anonymity, but the funny, not funny, but the, the strength of all of them, those uh, it's Sonny, David, and then Kelly, Kelly grew up on the commercial boats down here. Her father is a, is a commercial longline captain and, uh, I watched her grow up since she was a little girl, but they're all cancer survivors. So it's, it's pretty cool that that they all bond like that in the shop. And they, and it's a fun place to work. It's right on the water. Sunny, during the summertime there, uh, she would call me and she'd say, oh, I'm going to be a little late and I can hear her outboard motor running. Because she would launch <laughs> from Chula Vista and fish to South Bay and then run all the way up to go to work. And she'd roll in like Thirty minutes
1: late because <laughs> she fished her way up the bay. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> that's great. You know, Tommy, uh, it's it, it seems like Tunaville was something that you talked about a long time. It was it was a dream. Is it evolving the way that you have thought it would be? Has it been accepted the way you thought it, it was being? And, and what are some of the challenges that you are not only facing now, but you think going in into the future?
12: Well, I mean, it's evolving exactly how we want it. We still don't have signage up and things like that. People find us because they want to. Um, You know, they want to come in, and they want to buy, and they want to learn from us, and they want to see what we have. It's not like we have a big, giant sign out front that says fresh fish or anything like that. We have absolutely no signage. So you definitely have to seek us out. And people come in, and and they see the board with the name of the boat, the species that we bought and the name of the captain. And that's a big thing because, you know, our commercial fishermen, they're the endangered species. I mean, they're, they're being pushed out more and more each and every day. And with the sh- the show, the fishmonger, we're bringing more awareness to that. We're in our third season, season three airs, um, in March. And then we're starting in January to film season four, and we just got to keep continuing telling the story of why it's important to buy American harvested seafood rather than stuff from faraway lands. So that the shop itself is evolving at a really nice pace. It's just super cool. You know, it's like an old sport boat just, you know, traveling out to the grounds and they get there just in time and get a sonar mark and make a nice long drift. That's what we're that's what we're doing we don't want to do a bunch of uh, advertising and try and draw a bunch of people down there, because then, you know, if it gets too busy, then everybody gets in a hurry, and then the fish case gets a little disorganized, and we're not respecting the product and the, the history and tradition of of what American commercial fishing's all about. I know a lot of guys think I'm crazy for doing it that way, but it's working out so far.
1: Tommy, I want I want you to relate to me. You told me a story. Uh, about a, a customer that came in and he was kind of uh, uh, aghast with the prices, and he went out and he bought a loin of of tuna somewhere else, and he thought he was saving himself some money. And it's a story about price versus value. Do you remember that story? And can you relate that to us? Yeah, he
12: went and he bought a big. He bought a. He came in. He wanted to buy ten pounds of tuna, and he saw my price. My price was. Uh, bloodline out, skin off, trimmed up, 100% usable, take it home, cook it, eat it, you know. And uh, he said my prices were too high, and I said, well, good luck finding it, you know, cheaper someplace else. You know, American harvested seafood, you can find plenty of foreign stuff, but just not American harvested fish. And I tried to explain to him, I go, look, this is the boat that caught it. This is the captain that brought it in. This is the day I can show you my my records, what the temperature of the fish was every single day that I've had it. I think I had it for two days. Um, So he went, he left, and he came back, and he had a loin, and he brought it in, and he said, I got this fish for $4 a pound or $5 a pound cheaper. I said, cool, you want me to clean that up for you? And he said, you'll do that? And I said, absolutely, I'm going to show you something. So by the time I trimmed it up, took the bloodline out, and I didn't take a whole lot of extra trim. I trimmed it as best as as I know how. I trimmed it very tight for him. And um, I took the skin off and everything, and I threw it on the scale and did the math, and I said, you actually paid more because of the waste. (laughs) So that was a nice lesson for him, you know.
1: Well, it should be a lesson for all of us that – Uh, just because the price is there doesn't necessarily mean that the value is. And and that's something I think that you are teaching all of your customers and teaching us now on the fact that, uh, you know, you ask for this product and you're going to get great value as opposed to something that you see that's flash frozen in a bag at one of the box markets. Yeah, I mean – you know we
12: see it all the time um, I pay more for commercial fish than anybody on the waterfront in San Diego. Um, I can get rock cod imported from Mexico for a buck seventy five two bucks you know and I'm paying five dollars a pound for vermilion and you know uh three fifty four bucks for boccaccio and and Because our fishermen deserve a a living wage, and fuel prices are going up, permits are going up, closures, um, you know, where you can fish, how you can fish, what kind of gear you can fish. And so our fishermen and women are, are adapting and moving with the rules and regulations and still trying to make a living, yet we're being just bombarded by inferior, cheap, foreign seafood where... Somebody somewhere down the line paid the price for that fish. Don't kid yourself. I mean, we don't really see it a lot. We don't hear about it a lot here in the States unless you're deep into the game. But, you know, slave labor is definitely still going on on the high seas, and, you know, you get people that are stuck on these boats for for a year or two, three years, and they don't make any money, and they can't get home, and it's terrible, and, and that's all part of the cheap, fish and what we call the IUU fish, the illegal, unreported, unregulated seafood. So, you know, for the consumers out there that are listening to the show, when you go into a seafood market, whether it's one of the big box stores or not, you know, the label on the fish should tell you country of origin. It should tell you if it was previously frozen. It should tell you if it's wild, if it's farmed. It should tell you everything that you need to know rather than just Something that they want to call it at a price, so you know ask questions, know your source, you know good seafood's not cheap and cheap seafood's not good, I say it all the time, and it it's getting to a point where uh, the American fishermen and women are being pushed out of pushed out of the game, and the last great frontier for the United States fishermen is Alaska, and that's going to be changing soon as well.
1: Yeah, Tommy, you know, we're, we're talking about individuals going to the box markets or the grocery store and seeing product there, but you also have a whole different campaign going to when it comes to the seafood that we're eating in the restaurants because it's pretty much the same situation that uh, the the food that we're eating there sometimes is not necessarily what we think it is. No, it's not, and you know,
12: and God bless the chefs, man. They work hard. They're trying to do everything they can. They got food and beverage directors that are chewing on them for margin and food costs and everything. And these men and women behind the lines, in the back of the house at restaurants, they just want to, they want to do the very best they can with the with very good products. And unfortunately, you know, there's a massive amount of foreign fish that's being served. You know why? Why in Southern California, this is the one that gets me, why in Southern California are we serving brazino farmed raised from halfway around the world when we should be eating rockfish? I mean, there's, what, 30-plus different species of rockfish in along just Southern California alone, and each one of them is delicious in its own right, yet we're going to fly in brazino, and they're going to call it brazino sea bass, and, hell, everybody loves sea bass, right? Oh, I love sea bass. I had sea bass in Guam. No, you didn't. Because California sea bass is the best there is. And when you're calling Brazino sea bass, you go, oh, I want the Brazino sea bass. It's a farm-raised product coming out of some place in the Middle East.
1: It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Wendy, you're a commercial angler. You know exactly what Tommy is talking about when you bring your your catch to market because i'm sure you get a lot of the same comments
3: you know there's a huge difference like tommy was saying and and there is no reason why people should be buying uh seafood uh from out of the country when we have perfectly good seafood here the great great quality our water quality is is fantastic and you know we we know where our fish comes from, and it's, they're all nice and healthy and, and great tasting, especially those rockfish.
2: You know, Not the, only. You Wendy, when you, when you started going to your own, taking your fish to your own area and started selling that fish to, to the public, how many people followed you and wanted that fresh fish that you just caught and how fast you, you sold out of it every time?
3: Yeah, you know, once I, I mean, once you have people try the fresh fish and you saw them the picture between this supermarket and our fresh fish and compared the photos, um, it was a no brainer for them. I even gave out to the people that were skeptical on how good our fish tasted. I gave them samples and I said, "Here, take this home. I guarantee you're going to be back. Cook it up and let me know what you think." And sure enough, the following week, they were back at our booth buying fish.
12: Hey, guys, that's how it's done. You know, you got to get people, you got to educate, promote, and have fun. And it's just a piece of fish. You know, you don't have to be all fancy when you cook it, you know, but try each and every one of them and, you know, oh, I tried to cook this fish on the barbecue and it fell apart. Well, yeah, it was a calico bass fillet, skin off. Of course, it's going to fall apart. I mean, you know, first off, you shouldn't be eating calico bass
1: anyways. You should catch and release and eat something else. But hey, Tommy, Hold on, we got to take a break right now. Can I ask you to to stay over a little bit? Sure. All right. Hey, we're speaking with the fishmonger himself, Tommy Gomes. We're learning a little bit about sustainable seafood what is good seafood to eat and maybe what is some of the one stuff to stay away from so stay tuned stan wendy and i will be back with tommy gomes after these messages
9: hi this is jim trelicas Whether you're an avid angler or custom rod builder like me, you need to team up with the leading innovator in rod building related products, Batson Enterprises. From rain shadow rod blanks, engineered by anglers, for anglers, to quality rod components supplied by Alps and Forecast, Batson Enterprises will enhance the quality of your fishing and rod building experience. Batson Enterprises for many years has excelled in incorporating rod building technologies and techniques into every product sold, owner built Batson has assembled one of the finest group of in-house professionals to assist you with your every rod building question or need. So take it from me, Jim Trelikas, when my customer's expectation is for me to build them the finest fishing rod their money can buy, I turn to Batson Enterprises for the best rod components my money can buy.
1: Hi. This is John, and I'd like to invite you to the new Angler's Arsenal location in Lakeside, California. We have put together a staff of experts that'll help you find the tackle and gear you need at a price you can afford. We carry all major brands, and if you need custom work done, we can do that for you with both rods and reels. How about servicing your old equipment? No problem. We can do it quickly, easily, at a price you can afford. We also do custom hand-poured plastics through Western Plastics. Design the lure of your dreams and catch the fish that have been getting away. So come and visit us in Lakeside. We're at 12255 Woodside Avenue. Or you can visit us at anglersarsenal.com. If you need to call us, we're at 619-466-8355. See you there. Are you looking for a quality fishing experience out of Cabo San Lucas for you, your family and friends, but are a little set back with what charter company to choose? We urge you to use American and family owned Lands and Charters. Lands and Charters offers a of passenger's affordable and all-inclusive services on a variety of vessels and trips. Fish with the latest of fishing gear while experiencing the hospitality of a long-time owned family business. Go to lensandcharters.com to see all of their vessels and amenities available. Call Cabo Greg or Jenny at 800-281-5778 when you're ready for an action-packed Cabo fishing experience.
11: Hey everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization? But you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419. Or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. Run Real Radio is brought
1: to you by com Insurance Services. Are you driving to Mexico? You can buy and print out your Mexican auto insurance policy online in the convenience of your own home, or office in minutes now with BajaBound.com's easy to use website. After printing your auto insurance check out the BajaBound.com site. There too you will find great travel tips and information to help you get the most out of your next road trip south of the border. So this is an important fact to remember. Use BajaBound.com. It's the easiest way to find and get Mexican auto insurance. Hey, we want to thank you for staying with us and welcome you back to Raw and Real Radio. Stan Vandenberg's here. So is Wendy Toshihara. Our special guest is the fishmonger himself, Tommy Gomes. Tommy, thank you for spending some of your Sunday with us, also. Well, it's not like I'm going
12: fishing today in this weather.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Tommy, I want to talk a little bit about the program, The Fishmonger. You say you're going into your third season. I know when you get together with the production people, you kind of go over, okay, what are we going to be doing, where are we are going to be going, uh, what, what people are we going to be seeing? You probably maybe even set up some of the interviews yourself, but has there been anything in, in the time that you've been doing the fishmonger that you've come away with a feeling uh, uh, of just you just can't believe what these people have gone through or what they're doing in order to make a livelihood?
12: You know, John, that, that that's a great question, and I really appreciate it, because every episode that we shoot, every restaurant that we go into, has just been absolutely amazing. And the one thing, and I know this because of my upbringing on the boats and my dad and my uncles and stuff, every single successful fisherman has got what I call the anchor, the wife at home that takes care of things. And a lot of these wives are actually out on the boats uh, fishing. And, and up in Sitka, the families are on there trawling for for salmon. And without the anchor at home or without an anchor, fishermen are just adrift at sea. And sooner or later, they crash on the rocks. And, and the family dynamics, we have to remember that small-time commercial fishing operations are independently owned and operated businesses. And we're support supporting American businesses by buying American seafood. And the stories are true they're from the heart and we've met some great great people in season 3 you're going to see some absolute great footage coming out of new bedford we've got um coming up in season 4 we've got a, a group coming out of uh alabama or uh yeah mobile alabama they're coming out of uh uh that area, and they're going to hook up with the boys up in Newport Beach at Bear Flag, and they're going to go uh, deep-set, buoy-gear, swordfish together. So there's some great stories coming up, and, and it's really been super fun. I mean, oh, okay. think about that. I get paid to go around the country and see my old buddies that I
2: haven't seen for years and talk fishing. How cool is that? That, and then you get to teach them. You get to show everybody how to cook the fish or how to uh, by the way, is are they going to show you how to make new uh, New England clam chowder the right way on on your show?
12: <laughs> oh yeah, and the, oh, the yeah. thing
2: is, <laughs> when we
12: were in Maine, we we started talking about the ropeless gear and the windmill farms, and and I'm hearing the same thing on all coasts. You know, windmill farms are coming in. The ropeless gear for lobster that's just not going to work. Um, the big thing in the news lately was whole Foods stopped carrying Maine lobsters, which is ridiculous because it 's completely sustainable well managed, and it 's just one of those propagandas that are moved by big money so there's some great stories coming up, and it's um heartfelt stories that the American public needs to hear our fishermen, our farmers, our auto workers, steel workers you know backbone of America type thing um, they're being pushed out, and, and we got to really take a good, hard look at where our sources, our food sources are coming from and, and uh, you know, try, try and do our best to support those that are feeding us. It's important. Food's important, you, folks.
1: You know, Tommy, I, I, I guess a lot of people, maybe they're just starting to wake up, but when it comes to this particular industry, the commercial fishing industry, whether it's in the Gulf, It's the East Coast. It's on the West Coast. Uh, What a difficult time they have operating under the restrictions that they are put under by their own government and trying to be competitive with foreign sources that just don't have those restrictions. And it's one of the things that's driving up the cost of the product. And in a lot of cases, as we found out in dealing with with a lot of these issues on on the, the coast with the environmentalists uh, completely uh, made up and bad science and here we are trying to to fight against arguments that are just totally made up and insane well you know
12: and that's a good point because when you're when you're talking to you know, everybody thinks fishermen are a bunch of, uh, they're just stupid, you know, uh, you're just a dumb fisherman. But that's not the case. They're the stewards of the sea. Nobody wants to kill the last of anything, you know, and we just need to be more aware of where our food is coming from and how these rules and regulations are being put in place and follow the money trail. You know, a lot of these um, enviro groups are run by big. Con ag corporations and things like that and you gotta follow the money. And fishermen don't have time to go to the meetings and all of that. They have to go out and go fishing to supply uh food and and to make money for their families to survive. And yeah, they can you know, everybody says, Well, why don't they go find something else to do? Well, you know, the American blue collar worker is the endangered species as well. There's just not that many jobs out there now for for blue-collar workers, and commercial fishing is one of them.
1: You know, Tommy, uh, you just mentioned it briefly, and if you can encapsulate it in just a very short period of time, because I know it's a complex issue. You happen to mention ropeless lobster fishing, and especially the problem that they're having off Maine, and the way some of these places like Whole Foods now are not supporting the local uh, uh, U.S. fishermen what what 's that problem up there what What are they talking about? Because most of us here don 't have an idea of that at all
12: Well, they say that the in the Gulf of maine that they 're entangling the right whales, which is just not true, not true at all. there hasn 't been an entanglement of a right whale in over twenty years they don 't even go into the Gulf of Maine. they stay on the outside, and a lot of the photos and films that they 've got are are of the right whales entangled in Canadian gear because it's just totally different stuff. It's kind of like a California gray whale coming North that gets tangled up with a bunch of gear and it's Jerry cans, water jugs and stuff like that. That's not American fishing gear. That gear is being picked up South of the border somewhere. And, So the science behind all of that is just backed by, and it's just my personal opinion, I believe that it's just backed by the windmill farms that they want to put offshore, which is ridiculous because, you know what, 30% of those things don't work? And what are they going to do? You know, it's the ocean. That ocean is going to eat that stuff up. It's going to rot. It's going to fall apart. And the maintenance on them is going to be ridiculous. And somebody's going to have to pay for that. And that's going to be the American public. You're going to see it on your bill, on your electricity bill.
3: Hey, John.
1: uh, Yeah, Wendy. You
3: you know, um, I worked with Tommy on the Marine Life Protection Act initiative. And, you know, the science they use it's 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 all just bot science, that's all it is, you know, like you said, follow the money
1: well, it is yeah, you know
12: we ran it's just, yeah, Tommy, it's just all bot. it's all bot funds it's all It's all funded by the big enviro groups who are funded by the big uh corporations that are that are running you know behind the scenes. It's like the great and powerful Oz. Nobody really knows what's going on, but the money keeps flowing for these folks.
1: Well, you know, they're, they're funded by foundations, and as you you mentioned, the commercial fishermen, for the most part, they're uh, family groups, and yes, there are, you know, coalitions of, of commercial anglers around, but for the most part, if they're not fishing, they're not making money. They're not funded by a foundation or whatever it is that can keep them going. When they stop fishing, they stop making a livelihood. Yeah. And
12: you know, Wendy touched base on on uh, her fish. You know, Merritt and her going out there and they're they're catching their quota. Everything is followed by the rules and regulations. It's all when you come in and you offload, you got to fill out an electronic ticket, which is called an e-ticket, that goes directly to Fish and Wildlife. They know exactly what you caught, how much you got paid for it, who bought it, and then that person who buys it. They've got to keep a track record of it, who they sell it to, and all of that. So trace and trust is a big thing for American commercial fishermen. Trace and trust is not so much of a big thing for foreign seafood.
1: Hey, Tommy, let's get back to what you're doing over at Tunaville because there are some cutting-edge things that you're doing. and Well, they seem cutting-edge to us. Maybe they are uh, things that have been done in the industry for a long time, but one of the things that I've been amazed on how you have introduced dry aging to fish. Now, I'm familiar with beef products and we're familiar with curing, but dry aging with fish other than you know salted cod and something we're unfamiliar with. Tell us a little bit about that process and how it's evolving with what you're doing there at TunaVille
12: yeah it's been it's it's been around for thousands of years um there's a gentleman leeway at a place called the Joint up in Orange. He's the godfather of bringing it to the forefront here in Southern California for sure I mean the guy's an absolute genius, and um the cool thing about leeway is he he'll give freely the information you know he wants everybody to enjoy. His dry aged fish, and he wants others to get involved in it. And then you got Dave and Wade up at Wrench and Rodent Sushi Bar up in Oceanside. He's doing it. We're doing it. And what we're doing is we're bringing 18 to 22% of the moisture out of the fish. Um, I got to tell you, the dry aged Toro is just absolutely amazing. Um, mm-hmm. We're doing, right now, I've got whole vermilion rockfish, scaled, gilded, and gutted that are hanging. I've got some black cod that are hanging. I've got Pacific mackerel that are hanging. I have uh swordfish bone in, swordfish loin hanging, and I got a big giant bluefin loin that's been in there for about twenty-seven days. And even when you when you cut this fish at the knuckle and you open it up and you eat that bone marrow that's in there, it's I had a, a couple come in just yesterday. Uh, they didn't speak very good English. They were from Japan, and they were standing over there at the case. And I went over and and I, you know, kind of hand motioned. You know, do you want to eat some of this? And they were like, Yeah, yeah. And so we cut it, and they were just absolutely amazed at the quality and the texture and the flavor of the fish. They they loved it. They ended up buying a bunch of it. So it's just one of those things that educating people on not only eating the whole fish, but also dry aging and, you know, eating the smaller fish. If the big fish eat the small fish, why aren't we eating the mackerel, the sardines, the anchovies, and the tin tin fish program that we have going on at Tunaville Market? <clears throat> um, this isn't your grandpa's smoked oysters. This stuff is totally different. It's coming out of Spain and Portugal and Italy and the, you know, the razor clams and olive oil and the, the scallops and all of this stuff. It's just absolutely amazing. And you can make, you know, a sea board instead of a charcuterie board. You make a sea board with the dry aged and the tin fish and, and all of that. And so it's just a different way to eat. And people have been eating like this in Europe and Japan for a very long time. And we're just, you know, now catching wind of it and trying it out. And I don't believe I really don't think this is just a fad because people are coming in and we're making Mojama which is like a like a pastrami or a salami out of loins of tuna and opa and things like that. And people are coming in and tasting that and immediately putting their name and phone number on one and these these hang at about two and a half pounds. And they're putting their name on it, and when it's ready, I call them up, and they're like, "Oh my god, we've been waiting for two months!" And you know, it takes a while to get it to where you want it. And they come in and they buy it, and they have a party, and everybody loves it. And so, it's
2: been really, really fun. Tell well, me, Tommy, tell you, I got to ask you. You're talking about I. I would love to know more about that, but people need to know where you are and how to find this new place down that you're in in San Diego because there's no. There's no chicken with saying eat more chi- eat more fish no. outside the lakes. <laughs> Yeah, and whatever you do, don't use
12: Google Maps because it's going to take you onto the naval sub base. They're going to turn <laughs> your, they're going to turn you around at the gate. Well, Tommy, this but, is um,
1: important. This is important information because we have the holidays coming on up. There's a lot of our listeners out there, and a lot of people throughout Southern California that celebrate the feast of the seven fishes. And it seems like they're always looking for different types of seafood that they can serve at their celebration on Christmas Eve. Going to Tunaville Market, it'll solve all the problems for them. So tell us, Stan, where are you located and what are some of the things that you've got going right now that you need to tell our listening audience about?
12: We're at 4904 North Harbor Drive, which is just past Fisherman's Landing. And you walk down that way past Pizza Nova, past Jimmy's American Tavern. We're all the way down at Driscoll's Wharf. We're the only parking lot on the water that's got free parking. So that's something to to think about Uh well, it's free parking for now, anyways. <laughs> so something else happens, <laughs> but you know how that goes. And we've got, if you want to make chipino we've got house-made, homemade, in-store, chipino base. We make it regularly. We've got fish stock that we make by hand in the shop. We've got all our spices, our sauces, our dips, pico de gallo, all the salsa verdes. We've got all the different flavors of those. We make all of that stuff in-house. Um We're open Wednesday through Sunday, 10 a.m. till 5. I know we get a lot of people coming down there about 9 o'clock. I mean, we're definitely not turning anybody away. We have all kinds of ceviches made. We have Portuguese tuna salad. We have a Mediterranean octopus salad that we make regularly, octopus tentacles that are all sous vide and marinated, ready to go. You just throw them on on the barbecue and, you know, put a little char on them. They're Really super cool. Um, smoked scallops, smoked shrimp, the giant UH shrimp, all wild, no farm stuff. I have no farmed product other than uh, clams, oysters, and mussels. I don't sell farmed salmon. I don't sell swai or tilapia or any of that stuff. It's all U.S. harvested stuff. Um, I will occasionally, when times are tough, like this week, it's going to be a little tough because the, of the weather. I'll put some Mexican Cabrilla in or some Grouper just to have something in the case. But for the most part, we're we're a U.S.
1: product base. All right. Tommy. What if, I, Oh, Wendy, real quick.
3: What if, what if someone wanted to order a sack of oysters? How many days notice do we have to give you?
12: Just give me two, three days. We can get it. John, before we go, i got to give a shout-out, though. Go. Henry's go ahead. Trailer's. Henry's Trailers out there, I had to get a new trailer made for my skiff. They built me a brand-new, heavy-duty aluminum trailer. Holly out there was absolutely just super cool with all my questions and everything. So I just wanted to give a big shout-out to Henry's Trailers here in San Diego.
2: Tommy, oh. give me your phone number.
12: My phone number? No, to the uh, to the, the shop. Oh, man, you're going to kill me. I don't even know it. <laughs> Google it, even, or
4: give me a. I don't give even me a call know here. my own
12: shop number. I'm telling you, that's how. Oh my god, it's getting bad, you guys. Um, give me a call here at, at Anglers Tun- Arsenal, I'll Google pass Tunaville it on Market and you. Grocery. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can follow me, Tommy the Fishmonger, on Instagram and Facebook as well. Follow the show, The Fishmonger. It's coming up, season three. It's going to be fun. We're getting ready to shoot season four as well. So things are happening.
1: All right, Tommy, thanks a lot for being with us. You have a great holiday. Thanks to God, again for all the great information and what you do to educate us here in Southern California. My pleasure. We'll see you next time,
12: anytime, John. See you, Wendy. See you guys. All, all right. Take hey, care. everyone,
1: that's it for tonight. We've gone a little over time. Stan and Wendy, thank you. We'll see you next Sunday night. We want to thank uh, Israel and AM540 Studios, Ben Harvey, our local producer, and always in memory of Big Tuna Bill, Eddie McCune. Go out and get them, guys. Someone's getting your fish. They're getting away if it's not you. And Visit Tommy Gomes at TunaVille here in San Diego. Good night, everyone. See you next week.
4: Be. There's your hole out in the sun Where you left a row half done.